Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Greg Smithies. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines, the people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to carbon zero. Hi, and welcome to the episode today of uh, Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech here with Fifth Wall. Uh, we're very excited today to talk to Matt Plant, the president and co-founder of Voltus, about how they are turning people's building assets into not just uh, energy, uh, energy saving opportunities, but, uh, but big revenue driving opportunities. Um, but before we get into how they do that and how they unlock this previously sort of unknown uh, line of revenue for, for their customers, Matt, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background. You know, how did you get to founding Voltus? Uh, how did you get to where you are today? First of all, thanks so much for having me. And I've, I've devoted most of my career to clean technology uh, solutions. I got to it in a little bit of a, a roundabout way. My first passion was income inequality. And that led me to build power plants, uh, mainly in Asia, in connection with a lot of the Asian growth. There's a direct correlation between the access between having accessible power and uh, economic development, and so I spent a lot of time in the Philippines building power plants, and in China building power plants, and in Korea building power plants in connection with a lot of the growth that was happening in, in Asia, and that's when I got into energy. In the Philippines, we built a 450 hydro. 450 megawatt hydro plant, which was to date still the largest private infrastructure project ever done in Asia. That got me into energy and uh, and I've been in it ever since. And so that was in the late 90s. I then spent about 10 years helping build Enernoc, which was a first generation demand response company that we took public back in 2007. And then I founded Voltus in 2016. Yeah, and I'm sure actually probably a lot of our, our listeners will be will be familiar with with Enernoc, um, as well as the crazy growth that was going on in the late 90s in in Asia um, before uh, what was it called the the Asian Tiger bust of of 2001, I think it was right. Um, wow, I'm, I'm dating myself that I can I can remember that so well. Um, yeah, so so uh, Voltus has a very interesting mission here. Um, but before we get into what it is exactly that you that you do for your customers, um, maybe describe a little bit about the problem. You know, what was the problem you were wrestling with when you decided that Voltus needed to exist? When you think about when I think about why we exist, I always come back to particular stories, and we exist in order to help try to stop climate change. Climate change is a slow, inevitable march that's happening, but sometimes it smacks you right in the face. And it smacked us in the face a couple times in the last year or so. Last summer in California, there were 
wildfires across the state that led to massive blackouts. It happened in the middle of August and it happened again over Labor Day weekend. We woke up one day and saw that the forecast demand for electricity in California was over 50 gigawatts and the forecast supply was 40 gigawatts. That had never before happened in the history of the world. We had a 10 gigawatt difference between forecast supply and forecast demand. Had they actually had enough power, California would have hit its all-time peak demand record, which is a record that has stood since 2006, which in 2018, the California Public Utility Commission said returning to those peak demand levels of 2006 was, quote unquote, unimaginable. And yet, partly because of COVID, but partly because of a simple heat wave, you had this incredible demand that the grid couldn't meet. Normally, California imports power from places like Arizona. It wasn't able to do that. Normally, it uses a lot of solar power, but the wildfires prevented a lot of the solar production from happening. And so as a result, you have this massive suffering. And here we are, it's 2021. We can put people in space. We can do all these incredible things, and yet we can't run a modern electric grid. We want to stop that. We want to modernize the electric grid and bring it up to the standards that we're technically capable of having. I think back to Texas just a couple months ago, and instead of the summer, it was the winter, and instead of California, it was Texas, two entirely different electric grids. And for different reasons, they had blackouts. Texas's blackouts were, of course, caused by the ice storm. These things shouldn't be happening. They don't need to happen. And we believe at Voltus that we're part of the solution to prevent these things from continuing to happen. Yep. And and I think what, what's really most interesting and why this is so critical right now is we're almost in a, in a bit of a perfect storm here where you've got um, increasingly erratic climate situations, right? Big high temperatures and low temperatures. Um, you've got more electrification on the grid, right? Buildings are electrifying, cars are electrifying, right? So your demand side of the equation is getting way more complicated. And then at the same time, you've got more renewables on the grid, which are, are also uh, somewhat unpredictable, right? And I, I feel like if any one of these things was happening, it would be co- a complicated problem for the grid to solve. But it's that we're seeing all of it at the same time. And each one of them is sort of uh, increasing exponentially. Is that, is that kind of a good summary here? That's a perfect summary. Yes. You know, when we look at the four drivers of growth on the electric grid over the next couple of decades, you said half of them already. It's the electrification of the home. It's the increase in data centers. It's electric vehicles and it's vertical farming. Those four things are going to massively increase the demand on the electric grid. And in order to have a modern grid that runs on clean energy and is cost effective and reliable, we're going to need a whole lot of new resources to come to the table. Yep. And just to put this into, into perspective, one of my favorite, because I'm, I'm a super data nerd, right? Like one of my favorite, favorite graphs out there, and, and the, the, uh, the listeners can go and Google around for this, is um, Lawrence Livermore National Lab puts out this crazy flowchart of where all of the energy in the US comes from and where it all goes to, right? And we've got, um, you know, it's round about 
40-ish percent of all of the power right now in the in the US is electricity. And all the rest is being made up by, you know, the gasoline that's going into cars to to move them around. It's natural gas that's going into power stations, um, into industrial processes, sorry, uh, things like that, right? And we're on a trajectory now where that 40% slice of the pie that is currently electricity is going to end up being 100% of the pie. And what I think uh, uh, what a lot of people don't understand is you think of all of the electricity that's out there right now, um, we need to 2.5x that total amount of electricity just to make up for the sort of uh, demand that's going to shift over from cars and the electrification of the houses, right? So it's it's a massive uh, shift that the, the whole grid has got to go through in the next couple of years. Um, so, okay, we understand this is a massive problem, a uh, huge opportunity. What is it that Voltus actually does here to even even help this, right? Because I'm looking at this and this this almost seems like an intractable problem. It's definitely not an intractable problem, but it is going to take a lot of resources to do it. It's going to take regulatory change in order to do it. It's going to take a little bit of technological technological progress to do it. What we do is we connect assets to wholesale electricity markets to allow distributed energy resources to become part of the solution. So we create virtual power plants by aggregating thousands and thousands of thousands of disparate loads so that to an electric grid, we provide them with a dispatchable resource. They can call on us when something unexpected happens, like a power plant tripping offline, or they can call on us when something pseudo expected happens, like a heat wave leading to a need for additional resources. And then we dispatch all of the assets under our management to provide relief to the grid and give them additional resources. And we end up looking to them exactly like a power plant, except instead of adding supply, we're decreasing demand. Okay, so so break that down through the jargon then. This is what what's an asset here and what does dispatch mean? It's really fun. So dispatch means that I am a electric grid operator. I am PJM or I am ERCOT. And a power plant trips offline and I need resources to keep the grid balanced at 60 hertz, to keep the voltage at 60 hertz. I have two choices. I can turn on a second power plant to take the place of the one that is now offline, or I can decrease demand. We push a button on our computers and the temperature in a big box retailer goes up by a couple of degrees for 30 minutes. That change that we just affected remotely in that store, we do that a thousand times and it's the exact equivalent of turning on a power plant. Got it, got it. So it's going to cut down the actual demand that the buildings are having on the grid and, and, and other assets like that um, through adjusting the settings on on like the HVAC system, right? Um, and and what, what I found interesting is I've always thought of demand response as uh, or virtual power plants as being the other side, like, oh, we're going to go and band together a whole bunch of the solar on the roof um, or potentially batteries. Um, you guys can expand into that, but this is a, almost a far simpler solution too because any building... Uh, can get in on this on this problem because any building can cut their demand. There's only a few buildings that can add more supply in. That's right. So we think of the the different groups that provide distributed energy resources. 
you may be able to become an asset. You may be able to get paid to provide this service if you have distributed generation. You may be able to provide the service if you have and install something that's energy efficient. You may be able to do this simply by reducing your demand of electricity from the grid. You may be able to do it through having a battery storage system. So we have customers who do all of these things in order to earn revenue um, from these wholesale markets. So let's just take uh, an example of a big box retailer. They may have a, an energy storage system on site and they can tap into that energy storage system. They don't change the set points in their building at all. The building runs exactly as it were. They just use energy from their energy storage system for 30 minutes instead of the electric grid. Their sister site across the river doesn't have an energy storage system. So instead, via computer, we change the set points on that building to increase by a couple of degrees. The effect is exactly the same. They were using 1,000 kilowatts from the grid. And after we make that change, they're now using 850 kilowatts. So each building has delivered 150 kilowatts of demand reduction to the grid. They've done it in different ways. We're indifferent into how it happens as long as it happens. Yeah, and I, I think people people have looked into that. Uh, this have always really sort of assumed, oh well, if I don't have solar or some batteries on my buildings, I actually can't do this. But it turns out that you can, and and most of your buildings, as long as you've got a half decent sort of somewhat up to date HVAC system and maybe a, a, a somewhat not uh, stupid building management system, you you can probably start doing this, right? You can. One of the interesting things is you know these programs and this ability for customers to participate in wholesale markets and decrease their electricity costs by doing this this really gained popularity after the new york city blackout in august of 2003 and so new york began to allow customers to provide grid relief and then california and texas and now it's in most states you're able to do this it was all for blackout prevention purposes. And so typically those times when the grid needs you, they need you for big chunks of time. So they would need you for four hours at a time, three days in a row during a heat wave. What's happened, where we've gone is as we've proven the ability to actually deliver that service, we've asked, what more can we do? And that's where renewables come into the picture. Because as more and more renewables come onto the grid, you do have more intermittency or variability. And by creating this dispatchable asset, which allows us to reduce the pull from the electric grid, that's what really allows us to increase the penetration rates of renewables on the grid. Because you pair up renewable energy with a dispatchable distributed energy resource, now you're really helping to uh, fulfill the true promise of renewable electricity. Yeah, you, you really do need to sort of balance the supply and demand here across the grid. If the supply is distributed, your demand uh, or ability to control the demand should be distributed as well, right? Um, but I think I think maybe we've buried the lead here because I did mention this up front. Um, 
but this is actually a revenue driver for for your customers, right? Um, maybe walk me through the the economics here. How how is this actually? Uh, you know, is this meaningful full revenue or meaningful uh, um, cost savings for your customers when they when they sign up for this and start doing it? Yeah, on average, we're looking to reduce the spend of our customers by fifteen percent. And in some cases, it's meaningfully more than that. Uh, if we're talking to a steel mill where electricity is such a big portion of their total spend, it's oftentimes uh, larger than that. If we're talking to a commercial real estate building in New York, five years ago, it might have been 5%. There are more and more opportunities for customers to deliver and earn revenue. There's now five or six ways to get paid in New York City, whereas a couple of years ago, there were only two ways. So we're getting closer, even in the commercial real estate world, toward that 15% mark. And so if we can help customers reduce their total energy spend by 15%, reduce their greenhouse gases and their carbon footprint at the same time, and increase the reliability of the electric grid, it is a win-win-win. Customers won't do it unless there is a the proper financial incentive. They may have ESG goals. They probably increasingly have resiliency goals, but they do it first and foremost because it's financially attractive for them to do so. Yeah, absolutely. But when I hear 15%, does that mean now that my building might have the set point and it changed 15% of the time? That's that's material, right? Uh, or am I missing the math here? Yeah, you're, so the key, one of the key statistics here is 20% of the cost of running an electric grid is due to 1% of the hours in a year. And so when you decrease that peak, it's the, it's the Texas example. A couple of months ago in Texas, Normal times, probably today, right now, the real-time price of power in Texas is probably $35 a megawatt hour. Well, during three days in, in February, it was $9,000 a megawatt hour, 300 times the average cost. What we want to do is get customers to reduce their costs by 15% by affecting them or asking them to do something a little bit different, 0.5% of the hours in a year. So here's how it works out for a customer. Do nothing different 99.5% of the time. And then 0.5% of the time, use a little less, use your distributed energy system, tap into your battery storage system, and reduce your cost by 15%. That's how the math works out. That's why this is such a compelling opportunity. Yeah, that, that's incredible. Um, yeah, so I think uh, this is one of those things where, you know, a, a lot of people have maybe heard about um, demand response or distributed energy resources. But when you, when you break it down, at the end of the day, this is, I have a building. That building is drawing stuff from the power, uh, from the power grid. And if the power grid could tell me when it needs a little bit of help, like when it needs a break, when it's struggling a little bit, we can just dial it back, you know, dial it back slightly. Um, it's not going to happen all that often, but that is worth a lot of money to the utility and they're going to pay me for that, for that luxury, right? For, for me to be responding to them um, and keeping them in check. And uh, that's what Voltus does. Voltus helps their, helps their customers uh, respond to the utilities. 
uh, turn their buildings into revenue drivers uh, on this and ultimately save uh, 15% on energy bills. Um, so no, thank you very much for, for taking the time. Um, where can people find out more about uh, Voltus and uh, maybe reach you? www.voltus.co, V-O-L-T-U-S.co. We are hiring and we are always looking for customers. So thank you for having me on. You have a great way of, of um, making the complicated or simplifying the complicated. So uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today. Yeah, absolutely. And and let me give a give a sort of a, a, a double double click on that uh the fact that you're hiring, right? I, I've said this on many podcasts before in many interviews. It is a travesty that in the last 20 years, our uh, best and brightest around the world all went and worked at Google and Facebook and wasted their IQ points on uh, a click-through optimization, right? Let let's have some of the best and brightest working on something that's actually valuable to uh to the planet. Greg, our engineering team in particular is absolutely phenomenal. It's a big competitive advantage for us, but it's a lot of folks who spent a decade at Google who now are looking to do something that they consider to be more meaningful. And we think that helping modernize the electric grid is is certainly something more, more meaningful. So we have a um, an incredible uh, team of mission-oriented folks who want to work really hard to, to make change. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. Well, Reach out and hopefully uh, you'll get a whole bunch of people interested in, uh, in some jobs where they can really move the needle and uh, help save the planet. Thanks so much for the time. They can uh, reach out directly to me at mplant at voltus.co. Thank you. Have a great day. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Tool Belt Climate Tech Podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com. <laughs>